Hi everyone and welcome to the last episode of the yellow card for the year 2020. Hi Dipin, how are you? What are your thoughts on this week's matches and why don't we start with the London derby between Arsenal and Chelsea? That's how Arsenal beat Chelsea 3-1. Surprise, surprise. Hey Chirag, what's up? Yes, a much, much happier week this time. But uh, I mean, we've lost of uh, lost track of what a game week is actually because there are games almost every day now. But yeah, very, very happy post-Christmas period for Arsenal. Their first league win in nearly two months. And that too with the absence of key personality. With, there was no Aubameyang, there was no Willian, no David Luiz, no Gabriel. Thomas Partey is still out. So despite all of that, a very young looking side and a really, really good performance. I mean, Smithro, Martinelli and the wonder goal from Bukayo Saka. It just was a game that has been long due from Arsenal. Absolutely. It's a lot of pressure on Lampard and I was reading articles that if you believe them and if they turn out to be true, then it seems that there's a lot more pressure on Frank Lampard and his position at Chelsea rather than Arteta's position at Arsenal. And that's one to think about because the sacking of Thomas Tuchel may actually have a ripple effect because he is deemed as one of the favourites to actually take over from Frank Lampard at Chelsea now that he's available. Yeah, I mean, I read that rumour as well, but I don't seem to think that something like that would happen. I mean, uh, that would be a very drastic measure. On Because, yeah, last three or four games have not been the best for Chelsea. But I think that would still be a very knee-jerk kind of a reaction. Well, funnier things have been known to happen in football. And the truth is that neither Timo Werner nor Kai Havertz have really kicked off. And there's been big money spent there. And Ziyech has been injured for the most part. So, really, Lampard has needed to basically rely on both Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud for the most part of their attacking provost and uh, these guys where there's more than 130 million being spent have actually contributed almost nothing. All the new signings uh, up front seem to be struggling and the defence is what is working out really well but in in the first or the attacking part of uh, the team ZH has been injured as you mentioned and Werner. Chelsea's best team right now looks the like is without Werner and Havertz. So, that that is really uh, the surprising part for me. Werner actually did start off quite well. He wasn't bad. He wasn't scoring goals, but he was really contributing to the attack. But uh, he seems to have dropped off. I don't know if it is fatigue or something else because he's been playing non-stop. But yeah, there's something of a worry there for Chelsea. Absolutely. Now, moving on, I think, to the Fulham-Southampton match. It was a... Nil-nil draw where I don't think benefited any side, although Southampton are at, at the end of the day in a much stronger position on the table. So, Fulham got something to worry about there, as do Brighton, who ended up with a 2-2 draw against the Hammers. Yes, Southampton was actually quite frustrated with the nil-nil draw at home against Fulham. And they had two goals, one uh, quite early in the match, around the 15th minute and one quite later in the match. Both ruled out by VAR for, I think, offside. That that would be quite frustrating for them. But Fulham on the other side, they were without their manager. Scott Parker wasn't there. He had to isolate for COVID reasons. But overall, they I think they conducted themselves well and it wasn't really an unfair result. It would have been harsh if Fulham would have lost the game. Absolutely agree with your comments there, Depain. And uh, I, 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 I agree with you in terms of he had to isolate. So, 
uh, they put in a, a proper performance for their boss at home, I think. Moving on to Leeds and Burnley, and there was a little bit of frustration for Sean Dyche over there. But Leeds actually took an early lead through the penalty of Patrick Bamford. And a lot of people were not really sure whether it is a penalty or it wasn't. What are your thoughts of that? I think it's another one of those subjective ones. But I think uh, the goalkeeper got to the ball first. But uh, it seemed, still looked like a penalty to me. But uh, Bamford, on the other hand, there were a lot of doubts about him making it in the top division football in the Premier League. That's his 10th goal of the season already. So, he's doing pretty well. Absolutely. I'm not so so sure whether we've agreed with each other so much in any episode before (laughs) because I absolutely agree with your comment. I do think it was a penalty because while Nick Pope got the ball first, there was definite contact and my view is that he did actually obstruct Bamford from going for the ball and Bamford may have actually gone, taken the ball and and, and buried it in the empty goal. And in terms of uh, your comments on the confidence of Bamford, absolutely. And the performance, he's... He's done well. He silenced his, his critics. It's a confident-looking young striker over there. and Maybe not so young anymore, but absolutely confident-looking striker on the uh, Leeds forward line. And he's done well last season. He continues to be doing well this season, despite the fact that Bielsa actually brought in Rodrigo. And it's a testament to Bamford's ability that Bielsa has actually stuck with him right at the front. And whenever Rodrigo's in the team, uh, you've, you've seen that he actually plays a little behind uh, Bamford with Bamford as the main attacking striker. I think the main crux of the frustration for Burnley was the penalty that wasn't given to them, I think. The foul that was given uh, on Meslier was actually a foul by Meslier on Ben Mee, which would have been a penalty to Burnley. But it wasn't given, which would have... Had them equalize and share points at least. But yeah, so couple of uh, refereeing calls here also not going Burnley's ways. So that, that's going to add to the frustration. I think this season is going to be about uh, two key things. Uh, one is war uh, decisions and the other is the injuries to players. So I think we can avoid talking about them because then otherwise we'll just keep talking about only that and nothing else. What I wouldn't give to have a cup of tea... With Sean Dyche and Ralph Hassel Oval, and uh, apologies when I mispronounce <laughs> his name, but the Southampton manager, and maybe just catch up with both of them for a nice cup of tea and a discussion on VAR. Because you're right, that conversation is just never going to end. Moving on to the Manchester clubs, I think City were the happier of the two in terms of points gained, whereas City got a 2 0 victory against Newcastle. Newcastle not looking very good. Oh, they've come off a series of frustrating results. I think they lost in the cup as well. So, they they aren't looking good. And uh, City still, for me, nothing to shout home about. But they've actually started keeping a lot of clean sheets. So, even though their attacking progress seems to be not there as far as I'm concerned, even though this was a 2-0 victory, their stability at the back of the park seems to be going well. Yeah, absolutely. They've become... Uh... Very mean defense now, I think. So it's funny to think of Manchester City that way. But yeah, that's that's what it, the results are showing. But it was a completely dominant uh, performance from City in terms of possession, at least throughout. They created plenty of chances. I think Torres wasted quite a few chances, although he's not used to that position that he played in. I think it, overall City would be happy happier than they were in the previous week in terms of the attacking third. A quite funny comment from Guardiola uh, actually. He says this pandemic puts us in extreme situation, but that's how England likes it, so we accept it. 
<laughs> well, moving on from the blue side of Manchester to the red side. And Solskjaer and his team ended up with a 2-2 draw against Leicester. Uh, Rodgers over there, I think, may actually be the happier of the two bosses over there. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Leicester would definitely be the happier side. I, I thought uh, Manchester United should have won that game. They were in the position to win that game. They were in the position to close it also. After going 2-1 ahead, they had a couple of opportunities which if they would have taken the game would have ended there. But uh, yeah, Leicester never gave up and they got the reward for it in terms of a draw. Absolutely. And I think the important thing to remember over here is both the Manchester clubs have a game in hand and are not too far off the top of the table if you were to consider the fact that both the Manchester sides could potentially or should potentially win their games in hand. Because as I look at the table, should Manchester United win their game in hand, they'd be two points off the top. And should City win their game in hand, they'd be three points from the top. So, they're right up there and people need to remember that. Because a lot of times, because of uneven performances by both City and United, they've been severely criticised. But people tend to forget that actually they're not really too far from the top of the table. And we're almost probably just a little bit away from midway now, you know, as far as the season goes. So, they haven't done too badly and I dare say they're still, both the clubs are still to hit their stride. So, expect them to get only better and better and be right up there towards the end of the season. Yeah, two, two factors that will play a part also in terms of them u- utilising their game in hand. is One is Aston Villa and their performances and other is Liverpool and their performances. So, a- Aston Villa is starting off very strong and they're continuing their strong run. They're a 3-0 win against Crystal Palace and despite uh, going down to 10 men in the first half towards the end of the first half, in the second half it didn't seem to make a difference that they were 10 against 11. They still dominated the game. Well, absolutely. I think uh, an important point to mention over here is while uh, while both the Manchester clubs have a game in hand, uh, Aston Villa, if I'm not mistaken, have two games in hand and they're doing really, really well. So, uh, that's a lot to be said and... and, and if, if, if I was a Villa fan, there's a lot to be proud of because the kind of performance that these boys are giving is nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, bear in mind that they don't have the pressures of Europe, but they also don't have a strong squad in terms of squad depth. So, right now, they have a couple of injuries, but credit to them, they've still stuck it out and are literally rubbing shoulders with the best of the best. So, I think uh, uh, Aston Villa, a lot to look forward to, good value so far and can actually get better. I don't think that they're going to challenge for the top six in the long run. But uh, as of now, you really can't say. It's a very close league. It's the kind of year or the kind of season where, you know, anything could happen in terms of the medical crisis, the COVID crisis coming up. Teams could lose players at any point in if that happens at a crucial stage, you never know the clubs that don't have that issue might be in with a chance, even if they are not, they don't have large squads, like you said. So, Aston Villa, through their performances, are giving themselves the best chance to, you know, get into the top six or the top eight or however further they can go. So, definitely working well. Speaking of the top four, Chirag, it's the first time in, I think, 16 years that there have been that the two mercy side sides have been in the top two absolutely and i think that just says a lot because it's all credit to carlo ancelotti over there and i think it's it's really you need to mention everton because you would expect liverpool to be right up there based on their performance in the last three or four years 
but Carlo Ancelotti has really come in and within the span of a year really changed the fortunes of Everton side and he's basically changed it by not only making some shrewd personnel additions but basically turning Everton into a hard-working side where they've actually if you look at the additions he's made which we we spoken about earlier right in the middle of the park there's some shrewd additions Allen has done a lot even though people may not see him going forward or attacking but that's not his job he's there to be behind uh, right right ahead of the front four and basically to pass the ball and that's exactly what he does rodriguez a- adds to the attacking options and uh, and you know builds the attack up in a good way and dukure is a little probably in between for allen and uh, uh, rodriguez in terms of his responsibilities so shrewd additions calvert lewin looking good and a hard working and dogged everton side all leading to what i think if you're an everton fan a lot to be excited about so yeah i i agree with you and and i think that uh, uh, a special mention to the professor again remains to be seen whether they can keep this up but bearing in mind that they probably don't have the pressures of europe i think there's a good chance that they just may Yeah, it's been a quite a roller coaster start for them. So far the season has been quite up and down. They started off really well then slacked off a little but they're building momentum again. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go through the season this time. Let's speak of the others, the red half of Manchester well, Liverpool. Actually, there's not much to say, at least there's not much positives to say because they had a very good first half. They dominated completely even though they were just a goal up. Uh had a lot of chances to put the game to bed and they didn't take it i think if i'm not mistaken there was one statistic that actually showed that jordan henderson had 106 passes uh, in the first half and uh, west brom had 102 <laughs> so uh, that itself tells you how the half went although it it is obviously dangerous to just keep it at one goal and sam allardyce who's generally known for uh, pulling the rabbit out of the bag especially against uh, Liverpool did it again because his side got a late goal deservedly so because the second half they really went for it Liverpool again didn't didn't take their chances didn't look as sharp as they probably were in the first half and certainly not as sharp as they were in that 7-0 win against Crystal Palace so a shoddy looking Liverpool side far less than convincing for me didn't look like they were the champions at all Sam Allardyce and his side definitely deserved a draw and a point and maybe could actually even have nicked it because there was a big chance i forget for which striker before he was actually taken off he was one on one with alisson and alisson actually saved it and then they got a late goal with with ajay so if if that first goal had gone in you could have seen west brom actually nicking the game so uh, i i think it was a good performance from west brom a lot of positives If you're Sam Allardyce, because even though uh, the draw against City was uh, in Village's last game and not uh, as part of Sam Allardyce's team, West Brom in their last three games they've they've had two draws against probably what we would regard as the top two. So a lot to be positive. I would still see them going down personally, but this certainly, if a 19th place side can come and take a draw against City and against Liverpool, then you've got to. take a lot of hope from that and think that they probably could get themselves out of trouble somewhere and as far as liverpool's concerned i'm sorry but while i love them that was simply simply not good enough based on this there's no way they're going to win the league <laughs> no i think you're being a little too harsh but then still i think uh, 
Sam Allardyce really managed to frustrate Klopp actually because after the match I think he said it's an incredible challenge when you constantly face 10 men and I don't think anyone can expect a team that plays like West Brom in the first half like at 6-4 or whatever he says basically so they he's basically saying they played a 6-4 formation and put everyone behind the ball on the goal line and it quite i think it quite got to him eventually individual jose they parked the bus <laughs> jose doesn't use and, those and words he just does it <laughs> which uh, moves us uh, very nicely into the next match wolves and tottenham tottenham scored in the first minute and then they what forgot where the goal was or what the goal looks like or what happened i think we're going to need to take jose and teach him what the goal looks like because when you have a team like Tottenham you have world class players like Son and Kane and you don't make an attempt to score and i'm sorry but that the, the it was it was dull football i was bored i did not want to watch spurs play and if if you're a spurs fan that's not the way you want to see your team play especially when you have that kind of world class scoring ability who are part of your team and that just says a lot because he's definitely not going to be able to do this once the stadium is packed with fans and i don't see the point of it because it's not like they're ending up getting the results they didn't get they got probably a draw i think at liverpool which was beneficial for them but it wasn't really the way to play uh, i i forget what their last match was but it again wasn't really any great shakes and now against wolves they're not doing themselves any favors they look ordinary they don't seem to i agree with you don't seem to know where the goal posts are because there's no real you know this is not called counter attacking football what lester do is counter attacking football you want to watch them this is literally parking the bus and whether like you said he, he, jose doesn't use those words i i don't understand the point it's dull they're not winning and it's not working yeah and see you can excuse a sam allardyce for doing that because he doesn't have the players that can you know challenge the top teams and you can say excuse jose mourinho against doing this against liverpool because okay liverpool is the better side we are talking about tottenham being the top 4 or title contenders you have to take the game against wolves and you have to attack them it's just fair plain and simple otherwise you're not going to get into the top 4 uh, just playing this way i mean and when you get the early goal in the first minute you have the goal you can you can just build on that advantage you, you already have that one goal advantage you don't plan for a first minute goal ever if it happens it's good fortune and you go ahead and then play your natural game you use the players you have there are creative players in the midfield son lamella i think he has a lot of resources bale is always available so there are a lot of resources there to play a better brand of football or a better kind of football which would eventually give better results as well so i'm going to make two bold statements or maybe three but number one spurs will still end up in the top 4 no matter what number two their display against wolves was nothing more than shambolic because it, that's not the way to play football and number three the transfer of bale is an absolute disaster for two reasons a mourinho hasn't really used him to his fullest and two bale seems to be injured still quite a lot and apparently as per mourinho or i think i read somewhere as per mourinho he requested to come off at half time uh, in their cup match because of injury and therefore wasn't available for this match and you know you're paying a person what 300000 pounds a week which is half his wages because the other half are pay- getting paid by madrid and bale just doesn't seem to cut it 
and i think you know there comes a point where you need to decide whether this is working or not maybe give it till the end of the season but i don't see the the bail move as having worked out and kane son lucas mora the quite frankly more than enough to take the sports side into the top 4 so if it's not worked out it's unfortunate but so be it well let's see so poll statements we'll watch out for your predictions chirag let's see how it unfolds with tottenham and the rest of the league all right thanks a lot for that dipen and thanks everyone for joining us tonight we'll see you on the other side of 2020 and we'll join you for a wonderful new year's edition of the yellow card take care good night cheers everyone Cheers.